0: Well, if you have your Bible tonight, I'm going to get right into my part and get through it so we can get to the preaching of the Word of God tonight. I have enjoyed all the preaching. I have thoroughly enjoyed all the preaching. And uh, Mrs. Ellis has desperately needed it, and I thank God she's been here. And, um, well, i got to pick on her sometime, Amen. But um, I've needed it, and I'm grateful for Brother Barnes tonight and all the preachers that have preached. Tonight, the Lord willing, lest the Lord changes my heart in another direction, I want to start on the scriptures out of Genesis in chapter number 22. And the Lord willing, we'll be starting a series out of that tonight on the life of Abraham. You may be wondering tonight what Abraham has to do with missions. And um, a lot of missions conference and preaching on giving and sacrifice and surrender but we find in the life of Abraham all of the above and then some. And so tonight, if you have your Bible, if you would, please, let's stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God. And we'll go to the book of Genesis in chapter number 22. I suppose that if there is any text in the Bible outside of maybe Luke 16, 19 through 31 on the subject matter of hell, and um, maybe dealing with John three sixteen. I suppose besides those two, this is probably preached out of more than any text in the entire Bible and the Word of God. But tonight I want to look at it with fresh eyes, if I may, by the help of God, and look at what Abraham's life has to do with the subject matter of missions and propagating the gospel and getting into the regions beyond. Notice what please would please with you in chapter number twenty-two, and we'll begin reading in verse number one. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for a burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid it upon Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and offered the ram, or excuse me, Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah-Jireh as it is said unto this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Let's pray. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We thank you for every message that we've heard this week thus far. Thank you for the men of God that have studied and brought the scriptures and the good hand of God that's been upon them. I pray now that you'll challenge us tonight in the scriptures. Lord, may you give thy servant your divine power and presence. I would ask you, Lord, at preadventure, there's one here tonight that is lost or others that'll be looking at the sermons that'll be preached this week on the podcast. And Father, I would pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take the scriptures, speak to the heart of the sinner that's nearest hell, God help them to be saved tonight, to come to that place of repentance that they turn unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now bless you people tonight. I pray that you'll help us that our faith may increase, that the gospel may be preached in the regions beyond. For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Well, tonight I want to look at Abraham and his life. As we consider the life of Abraham, uh, we go through the scriptures and there's a lot of places in the Bible that God does not fill in the blanks on many of the men of God and the women of God that are recorded in the scripture. I call it the dash between the dates. If you go to a gravesite or graveyard and you find a tombstone or a marker, there's usually a DOB or a date of birth. There'll be a dash and then there's a date of death. We know the birth, we know the death. But that little dash, though it is not spelled out, speaks of the entirety of that individual's life. It basically tells a story without going into any detail. And can I say to you tonight as we consider the scriptures that by the good grace of God, I would like to look at this Bible tonight and Genesis in chapter number 22 and consider the dash in the life of Abraham and a portion or a segment of his life. Now, notice with me, if you would, tonight, and I'd like to look at several things, the Lord willing on Abraham and his life, but tonight I would like to look at verse number one very specifically tonight, and the Bible says, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. Now, I want to speak to you tonight on the subject matter of surrender, and I know it's a simple thought, Uh, But the truth of the matter is tonight... There's not too many people surrendering to the ministry. There's not too many surrendering to missions these days. For the most part, most mission organizations and local churches that have missionaries that are being sent out, for the most part, they're on a downward trend. May I say to you that I do not believe it is because God is not calling. I believe it is because man is not surrendering. Man is not hearing and heeding the call of God. Now, I want to notice just a couple of simple things in this text tonight as we lay the foundation to get into it. Notice, if you would please, the last three words in this text. He said, behold, and he responds to God and says, here I am. But notice, if you would please, in verse number 11, when the Lord calls unto him and he answers Abraham and he said, here am I. And I begin to contemplate the difference in those two statements. At first glance, you'd think they would be the same. Here I am and here am I. But there's really a vast difference in this text. And in the way these words are constructed in the Bible under the divine inspiration of Almighty God. And so we find that the words, here I am, implies that Abraham, as is there, that the Bible is implying that God over here I am. Lord, I'm over here. Whatever you want me to do, I'm here. God speak for thy servant heareth. And so it implies that Abraham is here and he is asking God to come to where Abraham is. And God gives Abraham a clear-cut command. And God lays out his will, his purpose, and his plan for the life of Abraham. You say, what is it, preacher? What was it? Well, we know the rest of the story. God had given him instructions and what he was to do with his son Isaac. And so God came to where Abraham was when Abraham responded by saying, Lord, here I am. Now in our following text in verse number uh, 11, as we consider that text, uh, getting into the scriptures now, he said, here am I. And the words, here am I, and that phrase implies that Abraham is in the process, in the very middle, the very act of performing what God had given to him when he said to the Lord, Lord, here I am. And the next time God spoke, he's in the middle of fulfilling the will of God, and he says to the Lord, God, here am I. I'm right in the middle of your perfect will. And there's a vast difference tonight. Abraham has surrendered his life to the will of God and we find the words, here I am found four times in the scriptures and here am I 16 times in the pages of God's eternal word. Now notice if you would please in this passage of scripture that there was a surrender long before there was a sacrifice. That's right. He spoke to him, he surrendered, he said, Lord, Here I am, and then God called him to surrender. May I just say to you tonight that when Abraham surrendered, uh, we think about surrender only in the terms of finances and things of that nature. But in the case of Abraham, it was far more than that. It literally meant when Abraham said, Lord, here I am, speak, thy servant heareth, I want to know, I want to hear. You know, in the scriptures and the minor prophets, uh, the Bible said, incline thine ear unto me. And what the Bible literally is saying is the prophet is speaking to God and later God speaks to man and he speaks of inclining the ear. And the word incline means to bend or to cup at the ear. It means to stretch forth. Have you ever been around someone that is partially deaf? And you've tried to communicate with them and sometimes they'll take their ear and cup it and stretch out to hear what's being said. And that's what's implied in the text. And God is saying tonight, cup your ear, stretch out your ear, hear what thus saith the Lord tonight. And God says, I have something to say tonight. And Abraham in response said, Lord, here I am. He was with those statements surrendering God's divine promise. You know, I've heard people uh, say over the years that I would give this to the Lord, but so-and-so gave it to me. Or I would give this to the Lord, but it was an inheritance. Or I would give it to the Lord, but I worked hard for it. My friend, when Abraham spoke those words, here I am, uh, in response to this surrender to God, he was literally willing to offer up the very promise that God had given to him. Isaac, the promised seed, whom God had made a covenant with Abraham and said, I will multiply thy seed as a sand by the seashore and the stars of heaven. And when he said, here am I, or here I am, he was literally surrendering God's promises to it. And you know, there's not a single thing you and I have to what God didn't first give it to us. We find that he was surrendering his hope and his posterity and his future. As we consider this passage of Scripture in the text, I'm always reminded of Jim Elliott who gave his life with Nate Saint and the others uh, trying to reach the Ak Indians. And he simply said this, that he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, the truth of the matter is tonight, there's nothing you and I have that is so valuable that we cannot give it to God and surrender to him. And, you know, I was preaching in the Panhandle, Florida, uh, several years back, and I was meditating and studying the scriptures. And I was going to preach on the subject matter of surrender and also a sacrifice. And the thought came to mind, and I thought about it this way, Brother Barnes. I thought, can surrender be measured? Can, you, can we really measure the depth of a person's surrender to the Lord? And my first response was absolutely not. How can I measure the depth of your surrender to God? How can you de- measure my depth of surrender to the Lord? And then there was a passage of scripture, the Holy Ghost, I led on my heart. And the Bible says in Luke 6 21, Luke 12, and 34, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also and it seemed like through that passage of scripture the Holy Ghost of God spoke to me and said you know you can measure the depth of someone's surrender by their sacrifice yes. and surrender is of the heart but sacrifice is something that is open and visual by, and visualized by everyone else that is around and so I say to you tonight we can measure the depth of someone's surrender to God by the depth of their sacrifice yes. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, said this, and I want to read it tonight so that I don't misrepresent it. Not called, did you say? not heard the call, I think you should say, put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burden, agonizing heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful well for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned earnestly uh, treat you to go to their father's house and bid their brothers and sisters and their masters to not come to this awful place. Take a look at Christ and, and and face him and the mercy that is given to you. Then yes. he says, you tell me whether or not God calls. Not called, did you say? Not heard the call, rather, I think you should say. And I wonder if there's not someone here tonight or this week that the Holy Ghost of God hasn't already smitten the heart Cause you to consider a full surrender to the Lord. A surrender of body, soul, and spirit. The Bible teaches us of the scriptures and several things I'd like to bring to our attention tonight, if I may. Notice five things about this surrender. Notice, if you would please, uh, first the place of surrender. And to get that, we must back up in our text and go to chapter number 21. Notice, if you would please, in chapter number 21, verse 33 and 34, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba, and called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines, a land of many days. And so here is the place of service. And May I say to you that uh, this was a place where Sheba, on the southern tip of the uh, the, uh, promised land, as we consider the matter uh, of this and where Abraham was and where he surrendered, uh, we find that it was a place that God dealt with him and the Holy Ghost of God uh, called him to a life of surrender while he was there in this place. And we'll look at it a little later at the distance and the time and the span wherein God used uh, the circumstances of Abraham to call him to a place of surrender. But may I say to you, you'll never forget the place where you surrender to God. It was not only a place where he surrendered, but the Bible uh, tells us that Isaac and Jacob and Elijah and Hagar also uh, made life-changing decisions and surrendered to the Lord uh, here in this land of Be- in Beersheba as well. And may I say to you that it is a, a call that God uh, gives us in our life and ministry. I remember very well Dr. Ed Blue, He was preaching at a tent meeting. I had surrendered to... Uh, preach full time or to preach and called into the gospel and then the Lord had uh, called me and I surrendered to full time service in whatever capacity the Lord would have and I went to an old fashioned camp meeting and uh, Brother Blue was teaching. In fact, I believe the other day I got tongue tied said Dr. Uh, Ed Hooker, but it's Dr. Ed Blue that founded the ministry of the Rock of Ages. And uh, we went to the meeting and uh, he stood and he preached this message. He said, I'm going to preach on Abraham, the friend of God. Enoch walked with God and Abraham, or excuse me, uh, Paul, the servant of God. And uh, I surrendered my life to full-time ministry. It was five years later, preacher, I went back to hear him preach again uh, under another tent meeting. And he stood and he said, I've not preached this message in five years, but the Lord's laid it on my heart again tonight. And I couldn't wait to hear what he was going to preach because I'd been struggling with going with the ministry and finding the direction the Lord had for us. And uh, better get them. I can't see without them. And um, he said, I'm going to preach tonight on Abraham, the friend of God. he walked with God and Paul, the servant of God. And boy, that night he preached and I hit the sawdust trail in that tent again. And I went forward and surrendered my life to the Rock of Ages Ministries. We'd been fasting and praying, getting up early in the morning with one of our friends. About 4.30, 30 in the morning, we'd fast and pray. And we would pray for an hour, two hours and set aside time for fasting. And I remember that night, I went forward in that sawdust trail and I said to Dr. Blue, I said, Brother Blue, I said, God's burdened my heart and I've surrendered tonight to become a missionary of the Rock of Ages. He looked at me and said, Okay, God bless you, son, turned around and walked off. (laughs) And I thought, What did I do? What did I say? I remember when we came in, we hadn't been a missionary too long. at uh, the Rock of Ages, and I walked into the office. Dr. Bloom and Dr. Garris were sitting there, and I said to them, I said, uh, I've been praying about it. I'd only been a missionary about two weeks. I didn't have but $125 coming in, and that was not support. It was a piece of property On We just uh, shook hands with a young couple needing property and uh, told them $125 a month is paid for. We'd signed the deed over to them. We shook hands, and they started giving us a payment. And that's all I had. I went in and I said to Brother Blue and Brother Garris, I said, the Lord's led me to go full time in the ministry. And Brother Blue said, how much support you got? I said, uh, support, nothing, $125 a month though. Praise God, we sold a piece of property and got $125 coming in. They looked at me and said, boy, are you sure God's called you to do that? And I thought, what's wrong? I thought they'd be shouting it out, running the aisle, swinging from the chandeliers, waving the hanky and shouting it out because I was surrendering to go with $125 a month. I went home and told Mrs. Ellis. She said, did you pray about it? I said, what do you mean I pray about it? You know I prayed about it. And we quit our job and went full time. And you know the Lord's been good to us. We're approaching 36 years in January and you can tell God's never allowed us to miss a meal. It's the Lord. Now the cupboards have gotten a little low every now and then, but never empty and barren. And so it was a place of surrender. But I'll never forget, I could take you to the very place where I surrendered to the Lord that there on the Chatsworth Highway. It was a personal call. But notice, if you would, please, that place. Uh, But notice, secondly, if you would, please, in this passage of Scripture. Notice, if you would, in verse number one, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Notice, if you would, the preparation of the surrender. You say, where'd that come from? After these things. You know, uh, there are three major testings revealed. There's nine in total, but three major testing revealed in the life of Abraham. And I believe that God prepares people for surrender. I really do. I believe that God allows circumstances and things to come into our life and he takes us to where we need to be in order to get our attention and get us where we need to be to serve him. After these things. And so the first temptation, the first great one was he called him to leave his home, his family, his country and his relatives and there he went out by faith and surrendered to the Lord. May I say to you that while most men were building Babylon, just about 300 miles south of there, Abraham, God was calling him. And the Lord called him and he left. He told him to go to the land of Canaan and God would give him the promised land. And you know that Abraham didn't fully obey God. He went to Haran. That's only about 300 miles on the northern section of uh, Babylon. So he traveled about, 16, about 600 miles. And the Bible said he stayed in Haran. But God hadn't called him to Haran. God had called him to the promised land. We find that even Abraham, God was preparing him for the ultimate attesting and trial in his life that God may call him to a place of surrender. And so he lands in Iran for upwards of around five years, it's estimated. God begins to deal with him and troubles and afflictions come in his life. And once again, he moves toward the Canaan land, the promised land. May I say to you, my friend, God will not honor our half-hearted commitments to to his service. You'll never be happy. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never be pleased. And God will never be honored until you have fully surrendered and made your way to the promised land. Half-hearted service, in fact, somebody says, how does God consider it? Well, I can tell you this much, God don't even consider it. Half-hearted service is the same as flattened out rebellion against God. We find that he went halfway. Then he separated him from Lot. Abraham drew nearer to God as a result of that. And you know, God will allow things to happen in our lives with our family and loved ones and our circumstances that he might draw us closer to him. And then Ishmael, God separated him from him. May I just say the calling to the ministry includes preparation for the ministry. And God has brought Abraham now through all of these testings and trials. After these things did God tempt Abraham. And it's as if God is moving in his life. Can I give you an illustration tonight? We have a piano here tonight. I'm humorous. I was in a meeting some years ago and a preacher stood up and he said, bless God, I'm against stringed instruments. He said, if I was a preacher I'd only have a piano in my church. I said, you ding back, that is a stringed instrument. Right? Last time I I mean, I'm looking, it's got strings on it. And you know tonight, if it's out of tune that means that some of those strings the tension is not Right? And when a tuner comes in, he'll take a, well, I was going to say a tuning fork. Today, he'll take a digital gadget and he'll set it at a certain tune. He'll strike the key and he'll put a, tune, uh, a tool on there and he'll tighten or loosen the pressure until that note hits exactly the note and the key and the sound and the vibration and reverb that it's supposed to. And it takes tension to get it in tune. And you know that's exactly what God does. God puts a little tension here and a little tension there and a little tension over here and a little tension over there and God says, I'm getting you where you're supposed to be. It is God's preparation for the surrendered life. There's the song God leads his dear children along some through the waters and some through the flood, some through the fire, but thank God, all through the blood. That's right. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. Lester Off used to say, If you can't sing to me in the night, don't sing to me in the light. I was preaching a conference some years ago in Holland, Michigan. And a dear lady came to me after the service and said, Brother Ellis, I want to share something with you. I've shared it with some, and they look at me like I'm stupid, like I'm a liar, or I'm some off-the-wall nut. She said, but I believe you'll understand this. She said it was in the heat of the summer, and my husband up and left me and the children. She had an infant, a newborn. And she said, we... Had lost her job. We didn't have much coming in or income. And then winter came on. And she said, I had made a commitment. Of course, I was going to pay my tithes. I'd made a commitment to missions. And she said, the Lord impressed on my heart to maintain our commitments. She said, I didn't have the resources to do that. But i had made a commitment to God, and I was going to give. She said, Brother Ellis, God's my witness. And she held her hand up. She said, I'd go down to the store and I would buy meat and poultry and fish and milk and perishable items for my children And they'd cut our electricity off because we couldn't pay the power bill. And she said, I'd bring it home and put it on the table and I'd gather my children and my infant around and I'd pray and I'd say, now God, I'm faithful in doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm surrendered to you and I'm giving my tithes and offerings and my missions and God, you're gonna have to keep this or my family will starve to death. She said, Brother Ellis, here's where most preachers think I go off the day pen D pen. She said, God's my eternal witness. She said, I would leave a fish and poultry and milk hot on the table in the heat of the summer up in the 90s. And she said, God's my eternal witness. We never had one gallon of milk to spoil one package of meat or chicken or fish. She said, God is on the throne and he's taking care of my every need tonight. That's what a surrendered life will do to you tonight. And God will take it and use it if you'll surrender it to him. The preparation of the surrender. And then the persistence of the surrender. Very quickly, and I'm trying to move through these quickly tonight. You say, preacher, what do you mean by the persistence? Aren't you glad that God didn't give up on us readily? He just keeps calling and keeps moving and keeps putting tension And getting us right where we need to be. Notice, if you would please, we go in the scriptures from after these things, that God did tempt Abraham. So after all these tests and trials, Abraham's still not where he needs to be, so God's going to test him one final time. And he's going to pass the test with flying colors. Yes, yes. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine 29, for the gifts and calling of God's without repentance. And if God's calling you young men to the ministry, our missions, or, and you young ladies not to preach, but into the missions or some type of ministry capacity, may I say to you tonight, you have nothing but to surrender. And then notice the personal call to surrender. It was the Lord. How would you like to hear God say tonight, Terry, Sam, Brian, George, Susie, Mary, and hear the Heavenly Father call your name personally. It is a personal call personal call of surrender came in verse number one where he said, Abraham, and I believe tonight if we will bend our ear and cup it and extend it toward heaven, we'll hear God call our name tonight. God can use us in spite of ourselves. I remember some years ago we were going in, at the time we were going into Uganda the Dimmer's family was there, but the Jeff and his wife, his dear wife recently went home to be of the Lord. I remember we made our trip over there and we had surrendered to the Lord, was involved in ministry. We got over there and unpacked our suitcase and Mrs. Ellis must have thought I was gonna be taken hostage. She had one half with nothing but snack foods in it. And I thank God for it. We'd have starved to death if it hadn't been back in those days. And I opened it up and she had some licorice inside it. Now I don't know about you tonight and if you like licorice, God bless you. I'm sure the Lord will have a special place segregated in heaven for you folk that like licorice. <laughs> black especially. <clears throat> but I'll confess it wasn't quite as bad. It had some red licorice in it and I thought to myself, I've traveled from Portland, Oregon, to Atlanta, Georgia, to New York, uh, to Kenya, into Entebbe, Uganda, and traveled through sweaty, stinky, smoky airports for all of these hours. We had a 12-hour layover in London, and it took us almost 40 hours to get to our destination with all the layovers. And I got there, and I thought to myself, when I get home, I'm gonna give her a piece of my mind. That wouldn't have been much, and it wouldn't have taken long, pray tell you. (laughs) But we started unpacking, and we were getting in small bags to go throughout the country. And um, I pulled that licorice out, and Brother Dimmers happened to walk by. He said, Brother Ellis, he said, man, old days, you better not let my wife see that. I said, why? He said, she loves red licorice. I said, you got to be kidding me. So I put it behind my back. I knocked on the door. She had already closed the door. I said, Mrs. Dimmers." I said, I understand you have a favorite candy that you like. She said, oh, Brother Ellis, I love red licorice. That's what I had, red licorice. I said, is that a fact? She said, yes. Yeah. She said, you wouldn't believe it. I said, in fact, just the other day, I, we're gonna be going home in about six months to America on furlough and I'd have all I want. But she said, I got on my knees. And I said, now, Lord, we're going to be an American a few weeks. And I can have all this stuff I want, but I'd sure like to have some red licorice over here if you could get it yeah. to me. And you know, God heard the prayer of his servant that was surrendered halfway around the globe and God laid it on Mrs. Ella's heart and put that red licorice in my my suitcase. God didn't have me in mind at all. He had heard the prayer of one of his servants on the other side of the globe and God said, I know a Georgia boy dumb enough to carry it. I don't know if you're shouting over me being dumb enough to carry it over the blessings of God. And I pulled out that candy and she started weeping and saying glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm gonna tell you tonight we serve a God that is able tonight. He's on the throne and he still takes surrender seriously. Jesus was born in a manger had no place to lay his head was nailed to a cross and somehow we think we're better than him. I must close tonight. Let me, if I may, share with you, I believe one of the great challenges that struck a chord in my heart when I read it. A missionary at the turn of the century, Alexander Duff. He went to his home country in Scotland he was a missionary in India and he went in to challenge the people and wanted to challenge young men to give their lives to the Lord and he stood that night he was weak and frail and dying and as he challenged the church he fell and collapsed in a lack of strength one that many thought that maybe he had died. There was a doctor in the auditorium who got him and they took him down off the platform. And while he lay stretched out in the congregation, he came to. Where am I? Where am I? He cried. They said, Mr. Duff, your heart is weak. You're going to die. Calm down, settle down. Where am I? They said, you're in the church. You're challenged men for missions. He said, I must arise and mount the pulpit again. And they stood to his feet in his own strength and they helped him up the stairs to the platform. And Mr. Duff stood. He said, where are the young men that'll give their lives? You give it for England? Will not anyone give it for India? pause and no one responded and he put out the plea again where are the young men that would surrender to god to go to india and carry the cross no one responded mr duff said then okay then i shall go to india I shall lay on the shores of the Ganges River, and everyone who walks by and admonishes me and wants to inquire as to why I'm here, I shall say to them, My name is Missionary Alexander Duff, and I've given my life to reach India with the gospel of Christ, and I shall die on the shores of India. Yes. Mom moments later, or just a little while later. A man in the back of the auditorium stood up and said, Mr. Duff, how go? How carry the torch to India? And another stood, and another, and another, and another. Shortly after that, he died and went out to meet the Lord. And after that, a wave of missionaries came out of that church and flooded in India with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it started with a life of surrender. Abraham started with a surrendered life. It was after this final testing that God got him right where he needed to be. Yes. Now tonight I want to pray. We'll make preparation for Brother Barnes to come. But I ask you tonight, are you, are you surrendered?